We made it to 2021. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for supporting us. Looking forward to a new year with new hope, a new journey, and some new guests. So please pass this on to someone who might benefit. Share this podcast, write a review, subscribe. And as always, we're so thankful for our sponsor, Thai Technology. And if you'd like to share your business with others, you know, only 145 million people are listening to podcasts, feel free to contact us and we'll tell you how you can become a part of this show. Enjoy and thanks for being here. We wish you nothing but love, light and hope for this new year. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm Sharon Feckety, your host, The Doctor Whisperer, and here today, I'm very excited. We have a board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, national board-certified health and wellness coach, author, and international speaker, Dr. Yami. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Sharon. This is going to be fun. Yes, I'm excited. I love some pediatrics because it was near and dear to my heart for the eight years that um, I was managing a Clearwater uh, Tampa Bay practice, and um, to be a pediatrician, you really have to be a special human being. <laughs> well, I, I think that about that for the other specialties, because I feel like pediatrics is so fun and easy, and everything else seems really difficult to me. <laughs> well, I, you know, it is very different coming from... Um, uh, multi-specialty in New York, uh, dealing in adult, and then a huge transition when I came to Tampa Bay working in pediatrics. Um, I really enjoyed my time because you are all the most humble, nice, fun kind of practitioners that I've ever worked with. So <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation. So Dr. Yami, why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, you and how you've come to be on this entrepreneurial journey, really. I love talking about the business of medicine and you, I love that you're a lifestyle medicine physician. So why don't you share a little bit about how this all came to be? Sure. Well, I've wanted to be a doctor since I was very little. I think it was the age of four that I first started saying that I wanted to be a doctor. And that was my trajectory for many years, long journey and when I went to medical school, I went with a scholarship already. I was National Service Corps Scholar. So I knew that I wanted to do primary care. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know what in primary care. I was thinking family practice. There was a time when I considered psychiatry because that counted also for the scholarship. I just knew for sure that I didn't want to do pediatrics. Oh, I, was, wow. I was pretty sure that that's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> I grew up an only child. I didn't really do any babysitting. I didn't spend a lot of time around kids younger than me when I was growing up or as I was an adult and I didn't have kids yet myself. So it wasn't an area that I just had a little familiarity with. I just thought I wouldn't like it. So I saved it for my very last rotation in medical school. By the time I went to that rotation, I had already decided I was going to do geriatrics through wow. family medicine, go through family medicine residency, and then do a fellowship in geriatrics. I had a mentor. I had, I had done research. I was already on this path. So by the end of my very first week in my six week pediatric core rotation, I came home. I was already married at the time. My husband is also a physician. 
And I said, babe, I really like pediatrics. And he's like, oh, good. Cause he was worried it was going to be a miserable experience for me. And I was like, no, I really like it. <laughs> and that's when I knew it just felt, it clicked, you know, when you just have that feeling that this is the right place to be. So pediatrics for me feels very aligned to my personality and I love it. I had the scholarship with the National Service Corps scholarship. You have to go into a health professional shortage area each year. They change or they may change the numbers of what counts to fulfill the scholarship requirements. And so when we graduated from residency, I went to residency at Cincinnati Children's, we started, uh, you know, before we graduated, we we're looking for where we were going to practice. And we ended up here in, in Yakima, Washington. And I signed on to be part of a community health center that has a pediatric practice that used to be a private practice, but then they got bought by the community health center. So they kind of functioned as a private practice sort of under a community health center. So that's where I got my first six years of practice and experience. And I loved it. And I had great mentors and I just learned a lot and it was wonderful. And it's one of the best practices in town for sure. But, you know, I was just getting itchy. I was learning more about lifestyle medicine. I was learning more about plant-based nutrition and it's just really difficult when you're part of a large practice with doctors all practicing different styles mm. to sometimes speak freely about some things that may seem alternative compared to how pediatricians are traditionally trained when it comes to milk and, you know, what we tell our families about nutrition and, and those kinds of things. And in a traditional medical practice, you just don't have time. I felt like the most important thing I could do with my families is educate them and answer their questions about diet and lifestyle. I just did not have the time. I was seeing 25 plus patients a day. And, you know, the most time I had really was to write prescriptions and send referrals and do the acute things, but not really the time I wanted to sit down and talk with them. So that's when I decided that I was going to take this entrepreneurial leap, which my husband, thankfully, was the one that said, yeah, go for it. He's an internal medicine hospitalist. So I didn't have to worry so much about being the sole breadwinner, which I think I'm, it's a luxury and I'm grateful for that I had that. And I really wanted to do something non-traditional. I didn't want to go straight into one traditional medical practice and just build another one. I wanted to do something different that felt smaller and more intimate and that I had time to actually sit with my patients and talk about lifestyle medicine, which is my passion. And so that's when I created Nourish Wellness. And it's been six years ago that I did that. And um, yeah, so far, so good. So far, so good. So my first question to you is, you know, um, I think a lot of physicians get to a place where they're working in a practice with other partners and there's a lot of different personalities and there's a lot of um, disagreements. There's a lot of opinions. It's a, a strong forces of, of physicians getting together. Um, and there's, you know, for anybody listening or watching that you know, most physicians come out of medical school and they either join a hospital or they join a large practice and then they get on the partner track. Um, most don't come out and go, you know, I'm going to open my own practice, right? Because you're not taught business in medical school. 
Um, and then you decide that you're not loving how things are going um, because you want to spend the time, which I totally get as you were talking about how many patients you were seeing. I was thinking about the hundred patients a day we would see in our office and how really the whole thing was trying to get the doctor to get his hand off of the doorknob so the patient could ask the question they needed to, mm -hmm. right? So, because, and it's, it's difficult, you know, there's a lot of, um, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to, to run a primary care practice, especially in pediatrics where there's so many kids that need help. But what was that? I mean, I'm sure it was scary for you. I want to provide some value to the audience of people, especially women that are trying, are thinking about breaking out. Like, I know that you mentioned that your husband is a, a physician as well. So you weren't solo there. It wasn't like some that, you know, maybe uh, don't have a partner that is uh, the breadwinner. You know, you had this opportunity to build something, but what was that like when you first made that decision? How long did it take? It took several months to plan and I did work with a coach and hmm. a mentor to help design it and really wanted to honor building a dream and building it the way I wanted and the way my patients wanted. So it was, it really was very luxurious. I mean, it was just an exercise in let's build something fun and exciting. And that's going to be gratifying for both parties. So I know that my experience might be different than some in that it really did feel like I was, it was just like this fun gift. Now I'm not going to say that there weren't moments of anxiety because I am not, I don't love risk in some ways, especially when it comes to money. I am very risk averse. Mm -hmm. I knew I didn't want to take a large loan. Like I am not the kind of person that's going to take a million dollar loan for something. No way that makes me want to vomit. Okay. So <laughs> right. that is not my level of risk. Uh -huh. And so that's why I knew that I wanted to do something small and manageable because I like thinking about the worst case outcome and know that, okay, if I start small and manageable, if it, if it doesn't work out, it wasn't a huge disaster, you know, yeah. and it's not going to break our family. Right. And so as far as designing it and bringing patients into it and all of that, it was really, really fun. But the part that was scariest to me, of course, was the, just the financial part, not just of not feeling a hundred percent confident that I was going to bring enough money in, but also that feeling of like, okay, what if it doesn't work at all? And I just lose a bunch of money in the process. Right. And how long were you um, at the practice prior to opening up your own business? Six and a half years. So oh, I'm wow. about at the same amount of time in my own practice now. Wow. Yeah. So what does it feel like now? Because um, I want to hear about what your practice looks like and how I'm sure you've created a whole uh, different world than what you came from. But, you know, how did that feel when you first got your, your legs on the ground and things started to work out and you were kind of living out your dream of, of what you wanted to do? And, you know, because most physicians, they don't realize you're not going to maybe be able to practice medicine the way you want to. You know, you're going to become part of a corporate entity where there are certain rules and you have to follow and um, that freedom and that dream of like, you want to help people becomes like, oh, and now I got to hire people and I got to find a building and I got to do malpractice and all that stuff. So what did yeah. it look like for you in your first year? Well, that it took me 18 months to break even. And the okay. reason is, is because I That's started good. cash based 
fully cash-based, no insurance at all. Um, and, and that was really great because it was just so simple. You just take cash or run people's car. It was like the best. (laughs) It literally is the best. I really, really loved it. I I contracted with insurance now, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the first year I wasn't, and actually the first year I was completely solo, solo. I did not have any helpers at all. I did hundred percent of everything. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until about six months ago that I hired my first medical assistant. So Mm -hmm. the first five years of my practice, I did all the medical stuff, like every single thing vitals. And, and I still do that. If my MA's out, I'm still Mm -hmm. doing all the medical stuff and I still give the majority of the immunizations and do all the procedures and all of that stuff. So, but it's just been, it's been so fun and it's such a confidence builder. Like, it's just amazing that you're like, I don't need all of that stuff. And at heart, I am a minimalist and an essentialist. So the, the feeling that I get being able to see patients, the families are so happy. In fact, last year, uh, my practice got voted number one practice in this, in the um, town, in my, in my city here. And, and, and I think it's because it feels so good to everybody. It feels great to me. It feels great to my families. And I know that I don't need a bunch of fancy stuff to be Mm -hmm. able to do my job and take care of patients. And that's what I've reminded myself throughout the whole journey. Every time I'm tempted or I'm thinking about making an investment, I really think about it. Do I really need that? Or is that just going to add another layer of complexity to everything and more costs and more burden where I could probably do it without that less cost? And really it's my patients and my families are still happy and they're still getting the care that they need. So my favorite thing though, about running my own practice is that I make all the decisions. Yeah. And I think, I think that that's it's just a personality thing, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that I realized the longer I was in the other practice, I was just getting more disgruntled about things. And, you know, like whenever you are in a large practice or a large organization and you need to make a decision, you mm-hmm. cannot make any quick decisions. It takes months. It takes months of meetings by the end of the meetings, after six months of meetings, everybody's tired of talking about the decision. And then you don't even make the change. You're like, it's whatever. Like the frustrating thing ever. And I love how I literally can come in on one day and be like, you know, I think we're going to do some, we're going to do this differently now. Yeah. And yeah, maybe sometimes it's a little bit hard to make the change, but we can do it and I can set my schedule and, you know, I can make all the decisions and that's the part I love the most. <laughs> yeah, no, that's incredible. And I, I totally get that. My goodness. I was having flashbacks of how long it would take all of us to make one decision. And then really everybody gets so frustrated. They're just like, well, look, whatever. Seriously, that's what happens. Finally, you just scrap the whole thing because you're tired <laughs> of talking about it. <laughs> exactly. Oh my goodness. Hey, quick interruption on this amazing podcast, but we have to tell you about our awesome sponsor, Thai Technology. They are so cool, and they're here in Tampa Bay, if you're a Tampa Bay listener. Thai Technology is the best voice over IP business phone service company out there. How do I know this? I used to work in telecom before I worked with doctors. That's right. So I know me a good phone system when I see it. Plus, they are integrated with Zoom. 
They are the only ones that are integrated with Zoom. And if you mention this podcast or you mention the Facebook show, they're going to hook you up with three months for free. Follow them on Facebook and on Instagram. Thai Technology Rocks. So you said that you are now accepting insurance. So I'm interested about that. So you started cash only and what, what was the transition about for you? Well, I do live in a rural town. This is considered rural here. 75% mm-hmm. of children in this area are on Medicaid mm-hmm. and a lot of the families have multiple kids. And so now with the way that things are going with insurance being required, everybody has insurance. And mm-hmm. with my families, most of them having two plus, sometimes five, six, seven kids, mm-hmm. it was just a little bit difficult for some of my families to, they wanted to come see me, but it was going to be financially difficult for them to make it work for their families. And so then that's when I decided to contract with insurance and of course my practice grew a lot faster as well, but you know, I don't love insurance and <laughs> you're missing so the, I really you're missing that first year now. <laughs> I want to, I would love to go back to just the mm-hmm. simple, simple days. Cause like I said, it does add so many layers of complexity and you need more help. You need yeah. more more brains to help you figure it out. Cause I don't have time to figure out all the rejections and denials and, you know, zero pays and all this stuff. It's very frustrating some days. Yeah, I'm sure. So now tell me about how you've made this more of, you know, I have had many conversations or with doctors over the years about how there's really not a lot of time to talk about nutrition, you know, and that's the, the unfortunate part of, you know, when you want to treat the whole body, the whole person, the whole child, um, it's difficult because you're under such time constraints. So, so tell me what it's been like to, to offer this lifestyle medicine in your practice and and talk about nutrition and plant-based nutrition for the kids. It's been amazing. And it's the reason I started my practice. So I knew it had to be one of the main components. So I call myself a primary pediatric practice with a lifestyle medicine emphasis. And Mm -hmm. Pediatrics in general really is about lifestyle medicine. That's what pediatricians do. We're really good at it, but I make sure I have plenty of time. So all of my well child checks are 30 minutes, no matter what my new patients are 45 minutes. And if I need to take a little extra time to talk about it, I have the luxury of time. I don't see as many patients in a day as I used to. And the reason I can do that is because I keep my overhead as low as possible by I don't have, you know, I just have the one MA in me. And like I said, I don't invest in fancy things. I don't necessarily need, cause I know that my biggest resource and my biggest asset is my brain. And that's what my families want access to. So that's how I've been able to make it work. And like I said, it keeps everybody happy. The other thing that surprises a lot of people is I'm on call 24 seven, nearly 365. I do leave town event, you know, sometimes <laughs> every once in a while, mm-hmm. but I don't get a lot of phone calls. And the reason I don't is because in the office, I'm able to spend time with people answering their questions. We also have a secure text messaging system that during business hours, families can reach out and ask questions if they have little things here and there. And so really call is not bad at all, you know? Um, But when I'm there, it's intense because I'm talking all day (laughs) and answering questions all day. (laughs) I bet. And because of the pandemic, 
were you able to incorporate telehealth into your practice? And is it something that you still maintain today? I do not as much as I anticipated I would. I never shut down during the pandemic. I had too many babies, I had too many newborns that had to be seen, weighed, you know, feeding guidance, immunizations. So my practice, even though it slowed down for about six weeks at the beginning of the pandemic, I never completely closed. But I love having the option to do telemedicine, especially for things like ADHD follow ups and behavioral follow ups, things like when we're dealing with uh, mood disorders, we can easily do that telemedicine. And so it's been a great addition to the practice for sure. Yeah, that's wonderful. So of course, I'm always excited to see a physician that has a podcast. So um, I also own a media company and I'm always encouraging the physicians that I work with to get out there and make sure you're educating, you know, your demographic so people know about you. And there's so many great ways today to get the messaging out about, you know, your, your practice. So what made you jump onto the podcasting game? Well, really, it's because I love to talk, as you can see, <laughs> and <laughs> I needed an outlet. I, I started with video. I started on YouTube, but it takes a lot of time because you have to dress up and put on your makeup and make sure that your background looks good and all of that. And I switched over to podcasting as my main platform because at the time when I started podcasting, I did audio only so I could do it wherever and whatever time of day. And it didn't, lighting didn't matter and all of that. Now I do video as well. So I'm a little bit back full circle to the beginning, but it's fine because I love it so much. And I really just wanted a platform to discuss some of these things that I'm really passionate about. And I knew that other people wanted to hear about. And my podcast is now nearly five years old and I have over wow. half a million downloads and it's really popular. And so I'm really, I'm really glad I started it and that I've been consistent. And even when it gets tough and hard to get the content out there every week that I've stuck with it. And you do it all yourself. I have a helper. So I have a okay. virtual employee that does all of the editing and helps me with all of the graphics and she's awesome. So I'm so grateful for her because at the beginning I did do it all myself, just like mm -hmm. how I started with the practice, but then I got really busy with stuff. And of course, having a helper increases the quality big time, because when you're doing everything yourself, it's hard to be really good at doing all of the things. So I'm glad that she's able to make it great. Yeah. And then you also um, take on speaking events and you've written a book. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, like I said, I love talking. So public speaking is my number one favorite everything. <laughs> and so that's easy and natural for me. And I just love being able to convey these messages to audiences. And the book was really interesting. I knew I wanted to write a book. I thought that it was going to be just about plant-based nutrition. And then I realized that that wasn't the right angle, that I really wanted to help parents learn more about how to feed their kids, not just what to feed their kids. And to teach them about intuitive eating and the division of responsibilities and, and those kinds of strategies for feeding children. And once I decided that a week or so later, I got an email from a publishing company that was looking for an author to write specifically about that topic. And wow. so it actually fell into my lap and I'm super grateful for that, but it's called the parent's guide to intuitive eating, how to raise kids who love to eat healthy. And yeah, it's been really great. And it, has taught me a lot, just like being an entrepreneur, writing a book is a completely different journey that will 
definitely expose you to all of your areas of self-doubt and vulnerability. So I recommend anybody that wants to write a book, do it because you will grow a lot during the process. Yeah. Well, I can say amen to that as I have my book right here that I wrote. Beautiful. Yeah. It is definitely something I I agree. I think that your message and your your story needs to get out to the world. So now you have uh, a practice, you have children, of your own, which I saw on your website. How many children do you have? I have two sons, age 12 and 17. Oh my goodness. Wow. It's <laughs> amazing. My stepson just turned 18 yesterday. My so, goodness. Yes. Yeah, so raising boys and being an entrepreneur and a husband that is a physician, what does life look like at home for you? It's actually pretty good. I, I don't work full, full time at the practice. So I see patients three and a half days a week and Thursday, which is today that we're recording is the day I do my podcasting and all my social media, my, my side hustle stuff. And, but I am very protective of over my evenings and weekends. Mm. I don't take a lot of things unless it's like a really good opportunity and because of the pandemic, I haven't been traveling a lot for engagements, but either way, I would probably keep those low now that my kids are at home. And I feel like I I do get to spend a lot of time with them and be with them as they grow up, but I'm really happy. I would love to expand time a little bit. I would love to have more time to create because creating and speaking is my favorite. So if I could clone myself and have one Dr. Yami at the office seeing patients full-time and one Dr. Yami doing all the public speaking and the social media creation and the podcasting, that would be amazing. Oh my God. I feel that in a very big way. (laughs) Um, So, and I do the same Thursdays all day long. All I do is recordings of podcast shows and um, I am booked out, which is good, but you know, there's only so much time we have in a day. But, you know, I really want to, before we go today, because you know that the world has the attention span of a flea, especially in 2022, um, I I would love for you to talk to the the women physicians that are in that same boat that you were in, in that practice, you know, fulfilled maybe, but not living your best life because you knew you wanted more, especially in the realm of of practicing medicine and, and, and treating patients the way you thought best suited um, in your mindset and, and being able to offer more, more value to them. So why don't you share a little bit about maybe some, some tips or some advice that, that they might take home with them to, to think about before branching out on their own entrepreneurial journey. Oh, I love this. Well, a mantra that I've been saying to myself over and over again recently is it's okay to want what you want. I think as women, we deny ourselves a lot. Like it's just so hard. It's so hard to not judge ourselves for our desires. And I just want to tell you, it's okay to want what you want. And if your intuition, that deep part of your soul is telling you that you want to try something different because you want to treat patients differently, or you want to try to be an entrepreneur and have your own business, go for it because we only have one life and this is it. And so if you want to give it a try, you're going to find a way because we're smart. That's why we're doctors. We made it work so far. You can make it work, get help obviously. And there's plenty of help out there, find help, 
and go for it. It's okay to want what you want. So dive into your desires. I love it. And how long were you with this coach that you hired before you started your practice? Just a few months, probably about three or three to six months. Great. But do you recommend doing that? I do. Well, I do, but I am a person that loves to use resources. So if I know that there's a place that I need help, I'll go, I'll go to a therapist. If mm-hmm. I need mental health help, mm-hmm. I will find a business coach. I've worked with a business coach to help me understand the financials of my office, which I definitely, definitely recommend once you start your own practice is hire somebody to help you so that your financials, you feel confident and strong about how to manage that. And, you know, just get help where you need it. Doesn't mean that you'll need it the whole time, but that way you'll feel firm in your path moving forward to have somebody mentor you that's already been there and has the experience so that you can move faster and you don't have to make the same mistakes they did. Oh my goodness. Such great advice. I, um, I'm really, really excited. I love to hear women in business, women physicians taking that leap of faith and, and trying something as I was listening to Brene Brown on her podcast today, she was interviewing somebody about regret. And I think that regret will really kick your booty if you don't, you know, uh, live the life that you were intended to live. So I think it's great advice. And I, I really appreciate you being here today, Dr. Yami. Thank you so much for having me, Sharon. And thank you for the work that you do. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a review or share it with somebody you know and care about that would benefit from listening. But more importantly, if you are thinking about advertising your business in the year 2021, Sponsoring a podcast is major. 44% of people pay more attention to advertising on podcasts than any other media. And 37% agree that advertising on a podcast is actually the best way to reach them. 70% have considered a new product or service after hearing an ad on a podcast. And I'm one of those people. And this is all according to Edison Research. Don't believe me, believe the research. So if you're interested in sponsoring, give us a shout.